Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you once again for the gift of life. That everything that has breath praise you, Lord. Your holy name, your glorious name, all-powerful name, O Lord. Magnify you, Father. We commit everyone, online, offline, all your people everywhere, even Brother Rafeth on the way, Lord. Commit them all into thy hands, O Lord. Everyone has hopes and dreams, but Lord, ultimately, may your will be done in each one of our lives. Let the kingdom come with power and authority in each one's life. Then only there can be peace and joy, O Father. Touch everyone today in every place. Touch your people. Strengthen your people. Empower your people, Lord, to stand in the day of adversity. To stand strong and to witness Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Come at this time into their hands. Speak to us. Pray through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we... Oh, it's come. We looked at uh, the reason. Yeah. One, three. We looked last week on uh, Monday on verse one, eight. And uh, today... We talk about who it is, the one who is. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, please understand. In verse 9, finally, John introduces himself. The vessel, the human vessel through whom God spoke is introduced. Please remember, uh, the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus and what will happen in the last days. Unlike the other epistles which are doctrinal. So from Romans all the way to Philemon, when the epistles begin, it begins with I, Paul, or I, Paul, and Timothy, I, Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy. That's how the letters go. When it comes to Hebrews, we do not know who the author is. There's no introduction about the author. When you have James, James writes, I, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother. Peter also introduces in 1 Peter 2. But in the epistles of John, in all three epistles, he doesn't mention himself. He does not introduce himself. In Revelation, you have him mentioning himself by name in 1.9, in 21.2, and 22.8. Okay, 21.2. Revelation 21.2, yeah, and 22.8. Then I, John, okay, by the time you come to 21, you are seeing the new creation, I, John, saw in 28.8. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, okay, so that's where we have the introduction of the human vessel because so far we have the focus has been on Jesus and it should be, but when he introduces himself, he does not introduce himself as an apostle or an elder or anything. He introduces himself, I, John, both your brother and companion. Okay? That's how he introduces himself. He says, I'm your brother. Okay? And that's that's the kingdom of God. We are brethren by spiritual birth. 
Okay, in English you say, blood is thicker than water. But in the kingdom you say the spirit is stronger than blood because flesh and blood cannot, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we are brethren by spiritual birth. Okay? So that's where we need to understand is the Bible. Anybody can read the Bible. But that doesn't mean the Bible is written to for anybody. Anybody can read the Bible. It's a free, the most sold book, a freely given book, the most printed book ever in human history. Anybody can pick up a Bible and read, but that does not mean they will understand. What they take from it will be different because the Bible is specifically written by God to his children. Okay? So that's that's the key. Like I said, no, I have uh, my father's letters and I have my mother's diary. The way I read it and the way you read it won't be the same. You'll get information. That's all you will get. But your information also may not be right, how you perceive it. But when I read it, I know what is happening over there. I know what my father is saying. I know what my mother is saying. In the same way, the Bible was written by God, the father to his children. The first set of children was Israel. Israel is my firstborn. Israel is my firstborn. And to Israel, he spoke through Moses the five. So people get so mad about things. And say, you don't have to get mad. If you don't even belong to the family, why are you so upset about what's happening in my family? It's got nothing to do with you. Okay, God is writing to his children. Okay, God is writing to his children. So the Bible is primarily written by God to his children. Letters in various time to his family. Others can read it. But you will not be able to identify with it. And we have become one family by new birth. And actually what is happening is, what you see in the world happening is, the division is taking place between God's family and the others. Because once upon a time, the laws that were framed around the world was based on God's word. But now as the division is taking place, you see a change of laws. A change of laws. The, the And only God's people who actually belong to his family are upset by the change of laws. And if you look at the others, they are not bothered by the change of laws. Okay, So even when we pray, sometimes we do not know who to pray for. Like, I'll tell you, our PM is in U.S. He's in U.S. And they have rolled out the red carpet for him. Like, like for nobody in the entire Biden administration. Only three people have been given that kind of a welcome address, the joint parliament, everything, all that. But they're not doing it for India. They're doing it because of China. You need to understand, this is politics. Because of China, doing it because they want a buffer and they want a market, military and economics. The entire system runs on these two things. So they're doing it for it. But the interesting part is we know what's happening in India. We know one state is practically at the verge of civil war. Like this. It's like, and it could flare up to the old northeast. It's, a, it's election season. It's a mess out in this country over here. But do, do you know something? Only 75 Democrats have written opposing his visit and that certain things should be addressed. Not a single Republican. You need to understand. Because this is the issue with Republicans. For them, it's only about money. It's always been an issue with them. The Democrats 
they will fight for causes. What is happening to the religious minorities? Only the Democrats have spoken. So they will pick up a cause. They may not be on the side of God, but they will always pick up causes. Okay. So we need to understand the kingdom of God ultimately will separate everybody. Everybody. Because for them it is politics. We are not in politics. We are not in politics. And we cannot actually truly support any political party because you know they are not for the kingdom. They are for their own interests. They are for their own interests. Interests. So there is this division literally happening in the world between the wheat and the tares because it's reached full growth. Jesus had said, don't harvest until it ripens because when it ripens, you will know. You will know. And it is ripening. It is ripened, you know. And the division that is taking place between light and darkness and even churches are divided. Churches have divided. You need to realize that tens, literally thousands and thousands of churches have left the United Methodist. Okay? They're all leaving because of what is now being legalized. So you need to realize all these things are happening. So we need to realize and now uh, LGBTQ group has brought out a new Bible which is called the Queen's uh, James Version. Okay, Queen, Queen, James, I don't know why they made me into a queen. I am not a queen. <laughs> I stick to being a king. Okay. It's got nothing to do with... <laughs> I am a king. I am not a queen. They have brought out, okay, and that is why I said never update your Bibles, which is online. Keep your hard copy, this one, okay, and those who use this thing, in your settings, see that they have no access to that Bible, which was once and for all given and downloaded. Because they, <laughs> okay, because they will change everything. They have made it into LGBTQ friendly. And removed all those verses or rewritten. So all these things will happen. And for the much of the world, it doesn't make any difference at all. They are not bothered about it at all. And much of the church also, they are not bothered about all. So we need to realize, why are we reading this book? Why are we studying this book? Because the book opens to us what is happening. And what is, we are more aware of what's happening in the last days than any generation before us who read this letter. Because I said this letter is specifically written to those people who will in, live in the last days. In the last days. So many things our forefathers never understood. We will be able to understand because we see literally it happening before our eyes. So these were written by God to his children. So he first identifies himself as our brother. I am your brother. I am your brother. Okay, And this is the mystery that was hidden from the beginning in Ephesians chapter 3, 14 to 15. While talking about this mystery, Apostle Paul will say, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. God has a family in heaven, those who have gone before us, and God has a family on earth. To them, he says, I'm writing, I'm your brother, I'm your brother, okay? So the first thing he establishes while he introduces himself in this letter is the family type, okay? Because you need to understand, one thing you need to understand, it's a very, very uh, 
scary book. The scariest of all the books in the Bible is the book of Revelation. And there are very powerful reproofs and indictments in this. Okay? Now we told you, uh, if you, if you bring discipline before love, all you will create is rebellion. Okay? So you will see John first establish a relationship. I'm your brother. Relationship. Okay? That is the first thing that is established. That's why uh, God gives uh, these parents, uh, when they grow up, the babies. You no, know, the one thing you don't do with babies is you don't discipline them. You just love them. You just love them. You spend as much time as possible with the babies as they are growing up. And the discipline is very, very subtle. And you know what? You are first establishing a very strong bond with the baby. And then when the discipline is given, they can receive the discipline because the bond allows you. Okay, That's what God also does. And that's what the human vessel also. Now God is going to speak very tough indictments to five of the seven churches. Okay? First, that's what he's going to do. But the vessel that he speaks through is extremely loving apostle. He says, I'm your brother. And probably surviving the eldest brother. All the other apostles are dead. He's probably in his 90. His brother, James, was the first to be killed, first to be martyred. And he is the last surviving apostle. So he introduces to them as his their brother. I am your brother. Okay? But not only brother, I am your companion. Okay? Companion has uh, two connotations in English. One is the word with and the other is the word partake which means a companion is someone who is with you and partakes of the same experiences as you. That's a companion. Okay? Who is with you? Okay? Who is with you? And that's what he's talking about. I am both your brother and companion. Okay? Companion. You need to realize you can be a brother and not a companion. Because, you know, I'm not with you. I don't want to partake of anything that you are going through. I'm your brother. By I had no choice about it. I was born into the family, but I'm your brother. But I'm not your companion. I'm not your companion. Okay, so we need to understand these are truths in the church. You can be a brother or a sister by virtue of spiritual birth, but you choose not to be a companion. Choose not to be a companion. And when you choose not to be a companion, what happens is you lose the power or the authority to speak to somebody who's going through whatever they are going through. You do not have the power to speak to them. So he says to the church, I'm your brother, I'm also your companion. In what? In three things he says, in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. He says, I am your brother and I'm your companion. I am your companion, I'm your companion. Okay, he says three things. I'm, I'm, another word you would say is that, I'm your brother and I'm your partner. Okay. So this introduction is actually preparing, preparing them to receive 
the warnings and the reproofs that God will give through him. And the first thing he says is, I'm your brother and partner or companion in tribulation. Okay, in tribulation. Like we say, the Bible was written by by God through persecuted people for the persecuted people. Okay, it was written for them and by them. Okay, the first one who writes the first is Moses who had to run for his life and live in the wilderness for 40 years. And then another 40 years in the wilderness. So he, God has to use that man to write. Only that man could write it. Others couldn't write it. Because you need a vessel. And this is, the. it's not just writing God's words. It is understanding God's heart. Understanding God's heart, okay? Only he's a somebody like that. So you will see all the writers of the Bible had to go through those seasons. And here is see, he says, I am not just your brother, I'm also your companion. And the first thing he mentions is tribulation. And remember, the church, when he's writing, is going through tribulation. You know, the emperors had literally um, driven the church underground. Tens and thousands had been killed, and his own brother had been killed. His brother, the father, probably was a short-tempered person, uh, because they were called sons of thunder. Okay, and James is dead; he's the first to die, and John is the last to die. Okay, so if you go to John 16 and verse 33, Jesus had forewarned them: "These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace." In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Three things he says. If you are a believer, and a true genuine believer, in this world, you will have tribulation. But I also tell you the reality, he says, in me, in Christ, you will have peace. You won't have peace in this world. But you will have peace in me. So the first thing he says is, you will have tribulation in the world, but you will have peace in me. But even as you go tribulation in the world, never lose hope. The reason is, I have overcome the world. Overcome. You have to see the end of the story. What is the end of the story? The world is defeated. Jesus is triumphant. So he says, when you are looking at tribulation, you have to look at two things. One, in the midst of tribulation, you can have peace. And it is only found in a person. Stay in him. That's what Paul will tell you. And every time we have to talk to people, how do you stay in peace? There are certain things which we have to do. There are certain things. This week I was talking to a young man. He said, I'm struggling with this. I said, all people struggle with Jesus struggled with it. So it's nothing new. He was tempted at all points and yet did not sin. Means he, as a young man, was tempted by lust. He was. He could not have been because it was written. So what do you do? How do you say? The Bible says flee and pursue. Two things are told. One says flee. Second thing, pursue. Two things. <laughs> okay. You have to do the things which you have to do. Okay. How do you remain in peace in the midst of all the trouble you may be going in your home or your workplace or whatever? Trouble is your companion if you are a believer. But how do you stay yourself in peace? The Bible says, you know, says, one, rejoice in the Lord. 
right? To give thanks in everything, to make your supplications known unto God, okay? So the, the whole thing is that, did you do what you were supposed to do? Did you do what you were supposed to do? Okay, so I was telling the young men, I was telling a couple of young men, honestly, to give thanks is not very difficult. It's not very difficult. Because you just take a look around our country. You are both young. You are young. If you look at take a look around, millions upon millions of young men are wandering without jobs. They don't even have a proper house to go back to. They're literally wandering. But if you look at your own life, you are blessed. You don't know what hunger is. You've never known what poverty is. God has given you everything. Yet, you are not being able to be thankful. If you do not do what you are called to do, how do you have the peace of God in Christ? Okay? So there are things which God asks us to do. God, Because what happens is, this apostle is in tribulation. He has been exiled. He is very old. It is supposed to be a very rocky island and history says it was used by the Romans as a quarry to break rocks to build their mansions. And imagine you are 90 years old and you are breaking rocks and seeing visions. Because the next words you will say, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Worship is not stopping. Worship is not stopping. So he's basically saying, I know what you're going through. I understand what I'm going through. You're going through. Because I'm going through the same thing. Okay? Going through the same thing. So we need to understand when the Bible is talking about, Jesus is saying about, you will have tribulation in this world because of me. But I want you to know one thing also. Even when you have tribulation in the world, if you focus on your problems, you will sink. If you focus on me and do the things which I have told you to do, you will have peace. You will have peace. In me, you will have peace. And also, you can be of good cheer also. Not just peace, you can also have cheer. Why? Because you, I am telling you in advance the end of the story. The end of the story is I have overcome this world. And if I have overcome, if you can have peace in me, you can also have joy in me because if I have overcome, you also have overcome. That's why he calls us more than conquerors because he fought and won and just freely gives us his victory. So we are not actually fighting for victory because he's already, whether you fight for victory or not, we have won because he has won. Okay. Oh, I am not going to fight. So we will honor the book. Kingdom God has already won. As soon as he went on the cross and it was finished, it was winning. The battle is over. The war is over. So that's how we have to see. And this tribulation is because of the kingdom. We need to understand it is because of the kingdom. If you go to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19, it talks about the nature of this world. We know that we are of God. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The whole world, this world system, lies under the sway of the wicked one. What happened in Colossians 1.13 describes what happened at salvation 
is that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the of the son of his love he took us from that and put us in his kingdom but he left us in the world so literally we are living we are living in enemy territory so you cannot expect anything else other than trouble unless you go on with the enemy that's what is happening the compromise that is happening with the churches is because they are agreeing to the terms of the enemy the churches buckle under all these issues that are coming up okay i mean you need to the lgbt all these issues but you need to realize all these issues if you come back to it all these issues are family oriented children who have grown up in extremely loving secure homes do not go this way do not go this way that is why this uh, this tremendous hatred towards nuclear family and they do, don't like families because this is all because of what so you need to realize we are responsible for what is happening the homes are responsible because all this is a reaction of that okay so god has the father is a family man is actually saving and delivering his people and the first act is the salvation of our soul he says i have transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light to the kingdom of his son so what happens you are going to have trouble you're going to have trouble we are going to have trouble over there and that's what jesus is saying i've already told you this before i warned you i warned you. you're going to have trouble but in me you have peace and that is happening from the beginning the kingdom of god came in and rome opposed it rome opposed it you need to realize rome opposed it because you need to realize it's every nation in the world sees the kingdom of god has a threat every nation okay because tribulation and the kingdom of god are closely associated okay it doesn't matter whether you are an atheist or a religious person the kingdom of god true christianity every religion will oppose it atheists also will oppose it because christianity is the death knell of religion that's why religions oppose it death knell of religion the first opposition of christianity did not come from gentile nations it came from the jews because religion is big business you need to understand it is big business it's one of the biggest businesses in the world is religion I mean Christianity because religion is all connected with works and for work there is so many apparatus and money and people and all involved then when you have a, a, a new gospel that is being preached where salvation is free and you don't need any works all religion will oppose it all religion will oppose it from birth to death religion is big business it's big business you need to realize why there is tribulation for the gospel in acts chapter 14 and verse 22 
Apostle Paul, uh, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue, not in religion, in the faith, saying we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Enter the kingdom of God. Okay? So that's what he's talking about. He's talking about, I am your brother, but I am also your companion. Okay? Companion in tribulation. You need to understand, deep ties can be established only in tribulation. How the persecuted church lives and how the free church lives are not the same. The fellowship is not the same. A marriage that has come through suffering and the marriage which does not have suffering are never the same. A husband and wife who have come through their trials and testings and suffering together, there are two choices. Either they will become very close or they will fall apart. There are only two choices. There is no third choice. Okay, Either they will come very close because, you know what, earlier they were like, scripturally speaking, they were brother and sister. But now they have become companions in tribulation. Companion in tribulation. There, are, there is no other way. This is God's ordained way. This is God's ordained way. There is no other way. So people try to skirt this. What happens is they have very shallow, superficial relationships. And so many relationships are shallow and superficial because they are trying to skirt the way of the cross. That's why when the cross was being preached, everybody is opposing it. We like cross as an idea, but we do not like cross as an experience. As an experience. But it is that experience. The persecuted church for 2,000 years have always gone through that experience. And John says, the final apostle says, I am part of it. I'm not just your brother. By virtue of birth, we are all brothers and sisters. But he says, by virtue of experience, I'm your companion in tribulation. I'm your companion in tribulation. Okay, and that's what he's talking about in Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. Hmm? Paul will say, Okay, yes, all who desire to live godly lives, not just godly lives in the religion, godly lives in Christ Jesus. The issue is with Christ Jesus, the world has an issue with Christ and the cross, they have an issue because he claims exclusivity. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There is no other name. When this exclusivity comes, even the Jews get mad. Everybody gets mad. He says, because of that, okay, and now the godly life he's talking about comes by faith. It is beyond the righteousness of the Pharisee. You don't see Pharisees being persecuted. Because Pharisees are there in every religion. Don't take Pharisee as a negative term. Pharisees who very strictly observe the tenets of any religion. The other is the Pharisaical attitude of looking down on people. But the Pharisees were very strict in the observance of their religion. But you don't see them actually being persecuted. But he says, if you live in Christ, a godly life in Christ Jesus, the simple reason is, one, it is the nature of the kingdom. The nature of the kingdom. It is the nature of the kingdom. The nature of the kingdom is righteousness. It is a righteousness that comes by faith and faith alone. Faith and faith alone. Okay? Like uh, 
Pastor Vijay's illustrations about his classroom. You know, so he, the students will ask, sir, what is the syllabus? You tell them chapter 1, chapter 3, chapter 4 are syllabus. They are very happy because it's like the law. But when he says everything that comes from my mouth is your syllabus, then they don't like you. Because what does it mean? It means you have to listen very carefully. That's a problem with faith. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It becomes complicated. No, please give us ten rules. Ten rules. Okay. This is our problem. Our problem. So, people outside the kingdom of God does not like the righteousness that comes by faith and faith alone. Faith alone. That's the issue with the gospel. Okay? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Jew first, Greek. But the problem is in that the salvation is by faith and faith alone. And that righteousness that comes by faith is a step higher than anything any religion can give. Any religion can give. Even Gandhi would struggle with the righteousness that comes from the gospel. Though he's an incredible man. Religious wise is an incredible man. But the righteousness that comes by faith and faith alone becomes problematic. Because the, it's the end of religion. What do you do with religion? And do with religion. Okay, So, he's bringing two things. One, we are brothers. Family ties. Second, we are companions. We are companions in tribulation. Okay, tribulation. And the tribulation, like I said, let's look at one verse. Acts chapter 16 and verse 21. 16, 21. Now they are opposing Paul. They teach customs which are not lawful us for us, being Romans, to receive or to observe. Okay, that is how it will happen. Okay. They will say the state will mandate. You see, in the U.S., you had what you call for vaccine, something that was called religious exemption. You are, my faith does not allow me. And you, would, you could go through life without getting vaccinated. But during COVID time, even that was tested. When that was tested. It was tested. Okay. Even those exemptions were taken, okay, like even during Second World War, like Derek Prince, you know, you could not say, I cannot join the army unless you had a physical deformity which made you unfit. But you could join the army if you had convictions on religious exemption that you were not, you were put in a regiment that did not fight. You could be in the army, you had to join the army, but you could be a pacifist. So Derek Prince was a medical orderly. He said, no, I will not fight, I will not use a gun. They will say, but you have to join the army, we accept, we value your religious uh, belief, so what will you do? We will make you, remember, he was a medical orderly, not because he believed in Christ, but he believed in pacifism. Then he became a believer. So these things we need to realize is that, but when a totalitarian regime comes, all exemptions are removed. All exemptions. And that is when the persecution was going on. And God says, it will happen. It will increase. So be prepared for it. It will increase. But he says, only. 
in Christ, we will have peace. Okay. So expect intense opposition. Intense opposition. It's interesting to see. I mean, it is, it is very interesting. Now, if you see modern days, how the system works. The most, uh, what you call censored, blocked, censored by the system person is not Trump. He's the second most. It is RFK. You know why? Because he talks about vaccines. They block him everywhere. He's not even allowed a, a platform to speak because he questions. But, I mean, you should see uh, Tucker Carlson's latest episode on RFK. Okay, so you have to see there are voices rising. I'm telling you, 2024 is the year. If 2024 is gone, it's gone. There's no chance. 2024 is our last chance for the free world. It's the last chance. Both in this country and in that country, the last chance. If it is gone, it's gone. It's gone. There is no, there is no, it's very, very, very impossible because then they would have swept it over. They would have swept it over because now they are blatantly like they don't care. They think like, you know, but that's sometimes that what happens. God will sometimes allow the enemy to be so overconfident and then they pull the rug from under their feet. But we do not know. We do not know what the whole confusion is. Nobody knows what God's idea is. <laughs> is it over? As judgment made said, we do not know. But either way, this book, above all books, prepares us for what is coming. Ultimately will come. Okay? Ultimately will come. So, you are a companion, if you go back there, Revelation, in tribulation and kingdom. This is connected with the kingdom. It's connected with the kingdom. Okay. So the thing is that if you are not intimately connected with the kingdom and its movement in time, you will be depressed and discouraged. Okay. Because ultimately we have to see the triumph of the kingdom. That's why God Jesus said be of good cheer. So here in Revelation 11 and verse uh, 15, you know, The seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So we have to see that, ultimately. See, people outside the kingdom will laugh and mock and scoff and all. But we know this is the truth. Very soon, very, very soon, in the future, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. So that is why you are able to endure, let us say. A woman is able to go through labor because she knows something is coming. That is why. You know, any other pain she will fight. Because there is no joy at the end of it. But when it is labor pain, though it is the most excruciating pain probably a woman ever goes through, yet she does not fight it like other pains. Because at the end of it is, that is why Jesus calls the last day signs as labor pains. What are birth pangs? Because something is going to be birthed. What is going to be birthed? The kingdom is going to come. So only people who are part of the kingdom has reason to rejoice. 
Others, what is for them? For them it is condemnation. It is judgment. But for us who is going through that process, we are able to see and say, that is why these two things have to be connected. Because tribulation or suffering in itself is not a virtue. Nothing is happening out of it. Pain is pain. Okay, There is no virtue in it. But the reason is, what is the pain for? Why am I going through this pain? So he brings and connects these two things. There is tribulation. And there is the kingdom. And he says, I am your brother. We are one family. And when we became one family, we became part of a kingdom that is different from the kingdoms of this world. It's a kingdom of darkness. The ruler of this kingdom is Diabolos or Satan. But when you got saved, God moved you, not physically, but spiritually. Physically, he did not move you out. Physically, you are still in this world. And that is a problem. And, you know, brought you and put you into this kingdom. And now... He says, you have to be aware. You are target. The world, your neighbors may not know it initially. But in the spiritual realm, there is an X mark against your back. You are not part of my kingdom. You left. You went to the other side. You are a target. So first, people go through spiritual oppression. And we need to help them through it. They don't go through Physical oppression, usually in the beginning, there's no much hostility because family may not know, neighborhood may not know, but they start. I know when I came to the Lord, I had spiritual, I had this choking, I couldn't get up from my bed. There was so much oppression in the beginning because you did not even know how to fight it. What you never went before when we were an unbeliever, suddenly you become a believer and you feel these dark forces. And then you are taught by your mentors to plead the blood of Jesus. That's when you started using the blood of Jesus in 1983. Because of this oppression that used to come. So the first thing is spiritual oppression. You were mine. You are disloyal. You went to the other side. Okay? Okay. So, that is, after that comes the, when others start getting to know that you have left religion and gone to the other side, then comes the other, depending on different layers of what kind of background you come, but you will face it. But you will face persecution, tribulation, you will face. But we should be of good cheer because you know what? Even when we are looking forward to the kingdoms of this world becoming the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the spiritual reality never changes. Even now, God is in control. The devil may be ruling. But the rope is in God's hands. He gives him a long rope towards the end. He gives, like the Pharaoh was given a long rope till the end. And then God pulled the rope. Okay? God. And we'll look at two portions so that we encourage Daniel chapter 2, 20 and 21 and 4, 17. Daniel, who's a visionary like, uh, like John the Apostle, he in Babylon, he says, okay? He's in a Babylonian, the Babylonian empire seems to control everything. Everything, total control of the Babylonian Empire. And he, there in the middle of it, he says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for his mis- for wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and season. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives, gives wisdom to the wise and all. So he says, you know what? God is in control. You may look at the power of the Babylonian kings, but he says he removes and changes kings as he wants. That is what I said. Yes, 2024 is an important year in human history. But who will become is not dependent upon man. It is dependent upon God. What is God's agenda? Is he delaying 
story is set, it's over. We think we go to the ballot box and decide. No, we don't. God decides. God decides. Everything is happening according to God's plan and God's timeline. And if you go to Daniel 4 and verse 17, 4, 17, this is the decision by the decree of watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men gives it to whomever he wills and sets it over the lowest of men. So sometimes we scratch our heads over the kind of leaders we get. But God says, I choose them. I give it to the lowest, the basest of men. I do it. Okay. Now there are watchers in heaven and there are the holy ones in heaven. But one thing these watchers and holy ones do not know is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Even they don't know. These are not on the demonic side. These are on the godly side. So there are hierarchies in heaven too. But nobody knows when Jesus is coming. And everything that is happening in our times is actually related to that. Political events are all, we don't look at politics and say, what is happening? The thing is that every political event, upheaval is connected, even climate change, what you are talking about. Everything in nature, everything is connected to one thing. It is the coming of Jesus Christ. It is connected. And who are the only set of people who can rejoice at his coming? Are the kingdom people. Who are the only ones who can go through suffering and trials and testings and tribulation? Only the kingdom people. Because suffering is common. But in their suffering, there is no virtue. There is no virtue. When a Hindu suffers, and a Muslim suffers, and a Christian suffers, at common the suffering may be the same, but in nature it is not for us. It is not the same. When a Muslim suffers for righteousness, if there are extremely righteous Muslims, please understand in every religion, those who honestly follow the precepts of their own religion, there are many righteous people. Nicodemus was a righteous man. Joseph and Arimathea was a righteous man. They found the righteousness of religion. But when they suffer, they have no hope. They have no hope. There's no virtue. There's no hope in that suffering. Okay, because their righteousness is not going to save them. There are no rewards for their righteousness. But our suffering for righteousness sake that comes by faith is different altogether. So we need to understand what God, that is why the third word that is used over there. I'm a brother and your companion. I'm not just related by family, by the spirit, but I also I am your companion in tribulation and the, and the third thing comes there. The patience of Jesus Christ. This is not ordinary patience. That is where patience comes in. Why is patience, oh patience, perseverance, endurance, endurance, long-suffering? These are words interchangeably used throughout the new covenant over and over again. Why? Because it's got to do with the kingdom. So three concepts he brings together. The Holy Spirit brings through Apostle Paul's, sorry, John's introduction. He says, tribulation, Kingdom and patience. What is that patience? It is the patience of Jesus Christ. Okay. The other word in English has a word for this word. This word that is used, patience, is tenacity. 
Okay, and that science people will understand it better. It's tenacity. You do not give up. You don't quit. Okay, you do not quit. Okay, so God will always say, He who endured till the end. Okay, if you go to Romans 5 3, and then Romans 8. Not only that, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces what? Patience, perseverance, endurance. Only tribulation can produce. Meaning, if you want perseverance or patience or endurance, you need to have tribulation. Without tribulation, you cannot have this. If you want the patience of Jesus Christ, you need tribulation. I want patience, but I don't want tribulation. God says it's not possible. It's only one way it will come through. Go to Romans chapter 8, 23 to 25. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with what? Perseverance, okay, so patience or perseverance is used. I think KJV uses the term, all uses the word patience, okay, patience is used. Then do we with patience wait for it, okay. So you are hoping for something that you do not see. You do not see. So you will see patience comes over there, you know. This is one constant uh, discussion I have with Ma. And sometimes we often differ. I said, you have to stop protecting the children. They have to be thrown to the sharks. Otherwise, they will never learn. Once they have come to a particular age, you have to take your hands off. Of course, you stand by and you suffer. You will learn patience. And they will go and goof up and they will learn. There is no other way you will learn prodigal son, if he has to come back in his senses, he has to go that road. All of them do not go, but you have to take your hands. If you are overprotective, your children will become nothing in this world. You cannot, because they have to learn from experience. Theory is one thing. You can talk as much as you want about patience, but you will not have patience until you have put in situations where you have no choice but be patient. Nothing will come. Nothing is going to break. Sit there in Kerit. Ravens will feed you morning and evening. Sit there till till I speak to you. You have no choice. Sit there. Anywhere else you go, either you will get killed or you will starve to death. That's the only place. Okay. Sometimes we bind and loose and shout and scream. <laughs> Nothing seems to be happening because God is teaching us one word you call it. You have to learn to be patient. I do things at my time. You don't want me doing things at your time. Okay? Patience. Okay? Basically, you know, the reason is God wants us to be patient so that we will be patient with others. Be patient. That's the main thing. Okay? See, we like God being patient with us, but we don't like being patient with others. You know, like I was talking to somebody, when I was talking to somebody, and uh, the person said, ah, yeah. I said, you see, so how quickly you forgive yourself? 
But all I'm asking you to extend that same forgiveness to this person. But when I pointed out something, yeah, yeah, I had a mistake. I consulted. I said, you consulted also about your weakness. You're so quick to forgive yourself. You already brought a document also to prove that it is a weak. But I am asking you to do the same thing with the other person you're not willing. So mercy is not a strange thing for us because we readily forgive ourselves for every fault easily. It's not that we do not. These are not strange things. We expect God to be patient with us. We always forgive ourselves. But when God says be patient with somebody else, we say it's not possible. These are issues which we need to realize because what is valued in the kingdom and what is valued in in the world are not the same. The value system is not the same. If you come to Romans chapter 12 and verse 12 again, rejoicing in hope, not rejoicing in faith because faith is now. Hope is in the future. So we know one day the kingdom of God will become the Kingdoms of the it will be we know it will happen and the meek will meek will reign with him on earth. So we know it doesn't matter what people say. Even if you become prime minister, how many years? One day, like technically speaking, if I am right, the RSS BJP rule is seventy-five or something like that. So if they go by the rule, even Modi can't rule forever. American presidency is limited by two terms. So you have term limits. All these things. Even the king will die. Long live the king. The king is dead. Long live the king. So what is this this thing about? But when the kingdom comes, you reign with God forever. See, that's what God is offering. You reign with him forever. But he says, if you want to reign with me forever, there is this condition. The condition is you have to conform to the character of my son. And in this character of my son, there are many virtues. That is why the Bible says, Peter says, now that you have come to the faith, be diligent to add to your faith. The first thing is virtue. Patience is a virtue. It's a virtue. Learn to be patient. Why? Because you're going to rule a thousand years over impatient people. They are not sanctified. They are not saved. They are carnal. They are flesh who came through tribulation and still did not believe. And they will multiply. And these people who multiply, even the young will be hundred years old. They are not going to die like before. Nobody is going to die. They will live like the old age, two hundred years, three hundred years and all. If you are impatient, how are you going to deal with them? I want to reign, but I will be impatient. God says, there is no such reign. How long have to be impatient? First, you have to be impatient for a thousand years. Because you will be here for a thousand years if you become part of that elect. It's a thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. When eternity comes, you don't have to worry because all glorified, sanctified people. But a thousand year on earth is a different ball game altogether. Okay, so he says, patient in tribulation. Because your patience is actually patience only in tribulation. Otherwise, it is not patience. You will not know. You will not know. Like I said, no, my constant example, husband is archangel, wife is seraphim, children are cherubim. What patience? How do you know you are patient? How do you know you are patient? You don't know patient. 
How do you know you are patient? No. That is what we saw on Sunday. What did this word wilderness mean? Wilderness is a place where you have no capacity to provide any of your needs. Physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, nothing. You are deprived of all this. So the Bible says, God led them to the wilderness. First to what? What is humble? What is humbling? A humble person is a person who is forced by circumstance to beg somebody for something. That is what humility is. Because you don't have it. So I will humble myself. Those days, no, I humbly request you to grant me one day's leave. Today, give me, I am not coming. (laughs) Humility is gone out of the window. So he led them into the wilderness. First to humble them. You are are humble. You have no choice. Because in the wilderness, you are humble. (laughs) You have even... Elijah is humbled. He is humbled. Why? First, there is nothing to eat. Second, raven brings you food. It's a Brahmin being served by the Dalit. You have no choice. But you are hungry? You are hungry? You have no choice. Okay, All your pharisaical rules will go out of the window because when hunger bites, you will look to the left and to the right. And if you want, you will eat beef also. <laughs> but hunger bites, you will eat anything. So God led them into a place first to humble them and then to show them what was in their heart. And what was in their heart, they came out. First thing you know about these people is they are absolutely impatient. They are impatient. There is no patience at all with them. On the other hand, this same set of people under the Pharaoh and the taskmaster were patiently slaving from morning till night. The minute liberty comes, this is true, honestly true in the kingdom of God. When people go into the world, that's just like the pastor who told this man. He says, told this man who was extremely short-tempered and angry, fighting with his wife. He said, no. Have you ever been to the police station? He said, many times. He said, how do you stand before the circle inspector? Did you say I was short-tempered? No, you don't even open your mouth, right? So you know what self-control is. It's not that you don't know. Before the circle, yes sir, yes sir, you don't even raise your head. Self-control is magnified. When you come home, he says, I cannot control it. He says, you you are false. So these people were patiently slaving for years. When they came out suddenly, everything has to be now. The same thing people do, honestly, in our church. okay. When they go to the world, they have plenty of patience for everything. But when they come to church, the word is too long. All we demand on a Sunday is three hours of your life. Three hours of our life. And people struggle with that three hours. First thing is being tested in GTC. Are you patient? That's why whenever there are new people, I'll always say, we know when to begin, we don't know when to stop. So be prepared for it. Patience. It's a virtue. Only when you go through tribulation, you will actually know whether you are patient or not. Okay? Patience. Look at Romans chapter 15 and verse 15. It's a powerful verse. 15, 15. No, 
May the God of is the God of patience and comfort grant you to be what? Like-minded. He says, He's a God of patience and comfort. And He wants all of you to be patient and to comfort one another according to Christ Jesus. He's a God of patience. That's what he's talking about. Your brother and companion in tribulation, kingdom, and the patience of Jesus Christ. See, sometimes we don't understand. In, only in eternity we will understand. That's why God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not. Because think about it. Think about it. Okay, Let us take Pastor Vijay as an example. Because let's say he's a prof. He's got 50 kids in his class. He knows beforehand. Only one student will pass. Yet he's spending one year with the rest, knowing all of them will fail. What did you call him? Wasting your time. Wasting your time. Let me ask you this question, connected with the word patience. God knew after 120 years, only eight people will get saved. But he waited patiently. That's what the Bible, James says. He waited patiently during the times of Noah. He knew beforehand only eight will be saved. Yet he waited 120 years. Our question is, can't you save time? You already know only eight. They are ready in the first year. They are ready. You know. Why are you wasting time? God says, you don't understand me. In eternity you will understand me. Only in eternity you will understand me. The patience. God is a God of patience. So even, even in the worst time in human history, the worst time hasn't come in yet. The worst time in human history is when the beast kingdom will come. When the beast kingdom comes, that is the time total authority is given to the beast by God. Revelation chapter 13, verse 7 onwards, 7 to 10. Okay. It was granted to him to make what? War with the saints and to overcome them. Authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. This is a reality, what is coming. Every tribe, tongue, every nation, the beast will be given complete authority and he will be given the authority and the power to overcome the saints. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Who? Whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. So he's saying, when that time comes, God is saying, nobody will escape because I will hand it over. Complete authority. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. If captivity is your destiny, saint, you will go to captivity. All your fasting, all your praying, nothing will change it. You will go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with thee. And then what does it say? Here is the and the faith of the saints. This is patience. And the faith of the saints. Even in the words, so you need to realize all virtues are not the same. 
Certain virtues are needed to come through certain times in history successfully. And one of that virtues is patience. Is patience. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. So the writer of Hebrews puts it across this way. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate whom? Those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Inherit the promises of God through patience. And that's where he is bringing it. Okay, So you will see, patience is an issue. Not only on earth. It's an issue in heaven too. If you look when the sixth seal is broken in Revelation 6 and verse 9. Okay, you will see. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw the altar, the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, what are they saying? How long, O Lord? So what is saying? He said, how long? It's actually how long? Oh Lord, holy true, until he judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. And what did God say? Then a white robe was given to each of them and it was said to them that they should not should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. So God has decided a lot of things that so many of us will come through martyrdom. And he says, you have to wait. Be patient. In heaven he is saying, be patient. In earth he is saying, be patient. And there is no other way. He's a God of patience. There is no other way we will learn patience. You will learn patience only when you go through. Now the two children are there. Of course they are sad. You know what? Because their dad has gone. Now when will they see their dad? You have to be patient. You have no choice. You have no choice. When it is. Whenever it is. Five months, four months, three months. Next vacation, next break. If he's able to get them. You have to wait. There is no point in jumping in. Okay, you can cry a little while and have to get over it because there is no choice. You have to wait. So certain things are decided by God. What is that? No one knows that day and hour. So everybody except those who are living, the living saved at the time of his coming, everybody will have to die in hope. There's no other way. You may get your debt back or you may not. You have to make your choice. So you have to be patient. You cannot twist God's arm. Nobody can hurry him. You cannot push him. There are certain things that are secret that belong to God. So that's what he's talking about in Revelation. One nine, he says, I'm your brother. I'm your companion. In what? In tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. And he tells his location, GPS, where am I? I'm on an island. Today go back on Google Maps, check out. You can see Patamos. Go on the default other view also where you can see the Google Earth picture. Patamos is still there. It's a small rocky island, okay? Now I think around 300, 400 people live there or more. I don't know. That is called Patamos. And why is he there? For the word of God. 
and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Two things. One, he's a preacher. He's a preacher, so he's been preaching the gospel. He's there because he preached the word of God. Second, because of his testimony of Jesus Christ. So many people who are listening today, they may not be preaching the word of God, but you will go through the tribulation because of your testimony. Because of your testimony. Because of your testimony. Right? If Joseph had not testified, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. If Joseph had never opened his mouth and spoken about those two dreams, his brothers probably would have left him alone. But when he opened his mouth and testified of what God is planning to do in his life, the mark was set on him because he testified. Testified, please remember. It's your testimony. So you may not be a preacher of the gospel, but your testimony will. That's why people are encouraged to testify. Testify, testify, no? You don't have to be obnoxious, but you can testify, be a witness. And what he says, he says, I have been exiled. I have been exiled. You know, this is something that will happen to you. Honestly, happen to you. It is okay. If you are in a secular setting like a school or a college or something, because you choose to testify, like I told you that example last week from Joseph's life, from the time Joseph entered into Egypt and was sold, Okay, probably it was like a special piece on the slave market because the Saudis have okay, here Ethiopian, here this one, here Libyan, here Mede, here Persian, and suddenly Hebrew, 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 one Hebrew slave, Hebrew, who wants him? One Hebrew slave. The first Hebrew slave to be sold in human history. The first Hebrew, because you know, it's, there are collector's items. There are a lot of people who will pay massive prices. It is called collector's items. And Joseph is a collector's item. That is why the captain of the guard buys him. Because he's a Hebrew. But the problem with the Hebrew is, the Hebrews are an abomination to the Egyptians. So the, from the day he's bought, till all the days of his life, he eats alone. Do you know why he eats alone? Because others refuse to eat with him. Do you know why others refuse to eat with him? That's his testimony. They refuse to fellowship with him. So there is this practical exile into which where others in the world, your circle all starts cutting you off simply because you choose to witness Christ. Witness Christ. Witness Christ. Okay. And that's what God is talking about. So that one words of chapter one verse 9 is the testimony of John the Apostle, the person who's writing these things. Because if this person has not gone through these things, he cannot be given visions. How do you receive a vision about tribulation when you haven't gone through tribulation? How can you receive the living word of God when you do not? it's not part of your experience? It's not part of your experience. You don't know what you're talking about. And every writer of the gospel going, they all had to go through. So they knew what they were writing about. So he needs to know about tribulation because it is through his mouth we will understand about the tribulation like never before in human history. If God did not shorten those days, even the elect wouldn't be saved. So he is going to. And why is he going through tribulation? Because of the word of God. 
and because of his testimony. What is the testimony? It is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Okay, so there is a, a revelation of Jesus Christ that comes from the Father. And there is the testimony of Jesus Christ in the life of the writer. I have gone through the same thing. I have gone through the same thing. So this is what the Bible is talking about. So God demands that we go through this. And when we go through this, like I said, we go through this absolute trust in God's sovereignty. One of the most hated books in the Bible is the book of Daniel. Because, yeah, the reason is Daniel's dream. Daniel's dreams about those kingdoms, they hate the book and they say it is false. Because if it is true, then you have to believe the Bible. Scholars cannot accept Daniel's dream. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and how it is going to end. If Daniel's dream is true, then we are towards the end. So they discount the book of Daniel. Need to understand why people attack the Bible, the reason people attack the Bible. Different. Why is Genesis 1 and 2 so much attacked? Because of what God says. What God says. And you need to understand this is so that is where when we come, you cannot have, you cannot be a believer unless you absolutely you don't, you may not know the whole Bible, but you believe in what God says. Have absolute trust in this sovereignty of God. Otherwise, how will you come through it? If you do not believe in the book of Revelation, how are you going to go through? Well, I know my end. God has spoken. I believe. It doesn't matter what all scientific evidences you bring. It does not matter. I know what the end is because what is written is true. When you say that, what are you saying? I believe in the absolute sovereignty of God in the affairs of men. Second, I believe in the absolute goodness of God. That is Roman 8.28. All things are working for my good. Even tribulation is working for my good. Even suffering is working for my All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. I believe in the goodness of God. And then, I also believe in this. Death has been overcome. I believe death is not the end. I believe Death is the beginning. Nobody in this world have that hope. For them, death is an end. And nobody is sure. But for us, death is not the end. Death is the beginning of unbelievable things. Death is the beginning, not the end. And that's how he's encouraging. Because remember, when he's writing, he's writing to the churches that are being persecuted. And they are being martyred. And he has the oldest surviving apostle. And he's the only one who's surviving because Jesus had already prophesied over him that he will not die. So all the others died and he has not died. He has not been martyred. If I'm right, he died of an old age. He's the only one who was not martyred. So he has even has a prophecy over his life. So he's standing there and he's encouraging the church. So first he's setting the tone. Through it all, we learn things. God is saying... If you want to be a testimony, if you want to be a witness of the word of God, allow God to take you through the process. Otherwise, you're just a brother. You're not a companion. 
whether you like it or not by birth you become a brother but the question is are you a brother or are you a companion only companions can write to those who are suffering because you have gone through that journey and you are hung in there and therefore you are able to say you know what i know what you are going through that is what bible says we do not have a high priest who does not sympathize with us how can you sympathize everybody says god how can god know god doesn't know what i am going through but that's because they haven't read the bible we have a high priest who sympathizes with us why because he was tempted at all points yet did not sin therefore he sympathizes with us he understands what we are going through he's gone through that road he took that road first and he says i understand what you are going through and his apostles all went through that road and the final one is writing this letter he introduces it's a very powerful simple but powerful introduction of the vessel god is using we will close by reading it once again i john okay both your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of jesus christ was on the island that is called patmos for the word of god and for the testimony of jesus christ and the next verse is sunday it was a lord's day not this sunday i'm telling the next words his pinpoint what day of the week is okay not genesis london what day of the week is it's incredible okay i was in the spirit on the lord's day i was in the spirit on the lord's day it was the lord's day okay and he says he was in the spirit so you, you have no reason not to worship because he is worshiping interpolation he is worshiping so they are powerful examples to us even when we go through these things because god is looking he told us a maritime woman he is seeking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth okay why did he why did he say that to her because she is going through her tribulation okay he is true and she is still talking worship think about a woman who has been married five times divorced five times living in sin with the sixth one is still thinking worship and jesus at the unction of the holy spirit goes to find her because he knows there is a worshiper in the wilderness <laughs> there is a worshiper in the wilderness okay so don't discount people don't misjudge people god doesn't see people the way we see people okay the most unusual people we will meet in unusual places come let's have peter and we shall pray
troubled soul was so weighed down. You were not made to bear this heavy load. Cast all your burden upon the Lord. Jesus cares. He cares for you, my troubled soul. Why so weighed down? You and the mate bear this heavy load. Cast all your burdens upon the Lord. Oh, Jesus cares. He cares for you. Jesus cares. He cares for you. And on your worries, help you make it through. Cast all your burden upon the Lord and trust again in the promise of His love. And I will praise the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord, the lifter of my head. Praise the rock of my salvation. Days are in as faithful ends, and I will praise the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord, the lifter of my head. Praise the rock of my salvation. All my days are in as faithful ends. Oh, thank you, Lord. Why so upset? When trials come, how can you easily forget to cast your burden upon the Lord? Oh, Jesus cares; He cares for you. Oh, oh, my anxious heart. Why so upset? When trials come, how can you so easily forget? To cast your burden all on the Lord. Oh, Jesus cares; He cares for you. Jesus cares; yes, cares for you. And all your worries will help make it through. Cast all your burden upon the Lord. Oh, and trust again. Promise of His love, and I will praise the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord, the lifter of my head. Praise the rock of my salvation. All my days are in His faithful hands, and I will praise the mighty. Jesus, praise the Lord, the lifter of my head. Praise the rock of my salvation. All my days are in His faithful hand. So we lean in, lean in, lean in on the everlasting arms. Please.
We are leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. The everlasting arms, Lord. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the eternal God. And it doesn't matter in what situation your people are there. Underneath always is your everlasting arms. As you told Israel, I found you in that howling desert, in the howling wilderness. But I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. That's who you are, God. John was just modeling his life after you. You were the original, the first brother and companion in tribulation kingdom and patience. The one who promised I will be with you till the end of the age. The true companion who never leaves nor forsakes his people. That's why we are able to stand here every day, Lord. Because our trust is in you. The one who promised all this is true and faithful. Not a single promise of his will fall to So this morning, once again, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you for your faithfulness. Even in the suffering and the tribulation, the church is never alone. Because her Redeemer is with her always. Never for a moment is she alone. Not only is he with her always, he's not even still. He's always working. At work. Whether we see it, whether we feel it not, you are at work, Father. So this morning as we sang, teach us to cast all our burdens onto you and to lean on your everlasting arms. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Once again, we stand in your house. We declare, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.